You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Drive Time show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday the 17th of August 2022. Uh, with your usual Wednesday afternoon drive time show presenters, myself Shaji Ahmed and also Dr. Tariq Wajwa here with us uh, uh, as well. Assalamualaikum, Ansar. Waalaikum salam, peace be on you and all our listeners. Um, yeah, very welcome. I, I think uh, you had you had a very welcome uh, little bit of rain yesterday, mm. and um, that has changed the. A temperature. Uh, the weather is uh, m- milder than yeah. than what it yeah. was because yeah. it was getting extremely hot and um, yeah, sweaty. A bit weather. humid. A bit humid as well, isn't it? Humid as well. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, m- the weather is a little bit changing now. Um, you know, and the, the time is <laughs> the time uh, is also yeah, the daytime. <laughs> the the daylight uh, hours less light now during the day. That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, it's just. Um, now we're coming, <laughs> we're coming towards uh, we're coming towards the the autumn sort of. Uh, I mean, not yet, but uh, you know, gradually mm. getting uh, getting there as well. Um, as uh, as always, uh, here you know, on the on the Voice of Islam on the Drive Time Show as well, we look at different things uh, in different perspectives, uh, and then give whatever you know the you know the 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 perspe- the, the concept. And the perspective from the Islamic angle as well, whatever Islam has to say about uh, you know to- topical topical sort of subjects, things which are come uh, you know upcoming, also um, things which are you know in the news as well. Um, if we look at the world around us today, sort of it seems to be embroiled in war and uh, and and conflict. Doesn't matter where. I mean, you can you can look you can look you know you can look in Europe, Eastern or Northern Europe. You look you can look at the South Asian, um, uh, the South Asian Sea. You can look at the Middle East. You can look at uh, borders on different uh, different countries. Um, we see we see war and conflict, and uh, you know sort of this 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 enmity this enmity yeah, around north and south east and west everywhere you everywhere know everywhere so north ukraine and um, yemen then you see the middle east uh, is already in war syria hmm. um, uh, always conflicts um, uh, you know most most of the places and uh, and uh, i i think when you when you think of the world is there a peace anywhere um, you know where you can um why you can't find peace mm. because one mm. part one part of the world when it is involved the other part parts are automatically, automatically affected by yeah. it and if you see the newspaper today the um, the economic crisis which we are uh, which is being predicted mm. and and that the high inflation and the prices people are going to face soon uh, obviously this is a result of the um whatever is going on around us not not within uk at the moment but um but the effect of the brexit the effect of the uh the wars which are going on and and the the way britain is involved in 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 um, certain situations because uh, the britain 
uh, has to get involved um, in, in some places. Mm. Uh, um, but it is a complex uh, sort of uh, state of affairs where yeah. um, ultimately you suffer because there is no peace. And, and if there is no peace, uh, and the peace, uh, as has been described, I think, by the, the fourth caliph of the, um, the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah have mercy on him, he's, uh, you know, he, he always described that unless you have uh, peace within yourself, you can't have peace around you. And uh, mm. around you means the, the society you're living in and the country you're living in and the country is of obviously part of the world. Of course. So it is a bigger society and then on the national level and the international level. Yeah. So it starts from your home and goes Start and spreads out. And uh, is the same way this uh, um, sort of concentric layer can be the other way around as well. Because if the peace, if there is peace around us, then we find peace within ourselves as well. That's true. That's so true. It's, yeah. So, so to find peace within ourselves, you know, we have to convert um, the society in a peaceful society as well. So generally, um, the whole thing is interrelated. And uh, the current situation is such where obviously we don't see that kind of situation at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we see, I mean, our listeners may, be, may, you know, may have heard us talk about these sort of topics before as well, specifically... Um, about about war and conflict which is uh, going on around the world and also peace um but in, you know in today's uh, in today's show especially in the first hour we're going to be speaking about uh, peace in particular but then but then the source of peace as well and this is something which is quite interesting is that yes we must find inner peace uh, to create peace around us in our homes in our neighborhoods in the you know in our country in the whole world essentially, but before that, before even creating peace within ourselves, we need to have peace of mind as well because a peace mentally, physically, um, it, it requires us to to have to be you know to, to have s- s- spiritual peace as well, and that can only come from the source of peace, which is of course you know God uh, God Almighty, and Islamic theology. It teaches us that God Almighty has many, you know, so many different attributes. We cannot even count how many attributes He actually has. And they have been stipulated in the Holy Quran. They have been mentioned in the Holy Quran, uh, some of them. Amongst, uh, you know, one of such or one of the attributes of God is As-Salam, meaning the, the source of peace, the, the, the fountainhead of peace, the one who provides peace um, and through Him, following him, listening to him, acting upon his commandments, his injunctions, listening to the way that he has told us to live our lives. He created us. He has created the manual for us as well, the way that we can, you know, our our law, the spiritual law as well as the natural law as well. Both of these things, both of these two laws go hand in hand as well. When we put ourselves in that sort of category and we follow all of, you know, all of these injunctions, then of course we can have peace not just within our, within ourselves, but in society uh, and in the world at large, which we you know just spoke about as well. Before getting into sort of you know more intricacies and speaking to our guests as well, um, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he was the Imam of the age, the promised Messiah, the awaited Mahdi, as of course foretold by the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He has mentioned in one of his books the philosophy of the teachings of Islam. It's a masterpiece, by the way. Uh, our listeners may be aware. 
He is the source of peace. That is to say, He is the God who is fully safeguarded against all imperfections, afflictions and hardships. Not only that, but He, he, he provides peace and security for all. This means that this meaning is obvious that if he himself has been afflicted with misfortunes or was to be killed by someone and he was to be frustrated in his designs, then one seeing such bad examples, how the hearts could be satisfied with such a God would merely deliver them from misfortunes. That's a very deep uh, question which the Promised Messiah upon whom we please actually asking that some, you know, some religions, some major religions, they claim that, you know, their, their God was was afflicted by pains was has to face difficulty face pain face trials in fact was actually killed by his uh, by his oppressors the oppressors actually were managed managed to kill him this is the state of a god which they present the promised messiah Islam, peace be upon him is saying that how can that how can we believe in a god who cannot even protect himself and how how are you going to find peace in him if he you know if he was uh, afflicted with such misfortunes as well. We know that maintaining peace has always been a major concern and a great challenge for mankind throughout history, of course, through, you know, since the beginning of mankind as well. But perhaps sustaining peace has never been as crucial in the past as it is in the present time. Currently, mankind seems to be you know, in a, in a full rebellion. Sometimes we, we see that people nations you know some ideologies as well some famous people also they 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 in a rebellion against god and religion as well sinfulness and atheism are also on the rise elsewhere as as well and this these sort of people get more attention um uh, you know in in the media in the world and they sometimes it seems as if these people when they are afflicted with any sort of misfortunes they get more attention and there's more sympathy towards those people as well Again, as uh, our personal peace, you know, peace mm. of our hearts, it, it, that's fully disturbed by, you know, through the constant fears, the mm. distress and anxiety in our daily lives because yeah. there's no peace around us. And unfortunately, the world at large is engaged in numerous bloody conflicts mm. and the danger of disastrous global nuclear war that can annihilate a vast number of people and devastate a major portion of our natural environment is looming as a real threat. And in fact, uh, you know, uh, many times you will see that um, you see the news here and there saying that it has actually the world war has already begun. Mm. And uh, people, uh, you know, you, you don't feel it if it is it is um, uh, happening next door and it's, it's not happening in your own home. Yeah. Unless it comes to you, you don't realize that it is, it is already there and it's, it's uh, inflicting people. So, um, without any doubt, uh, this tremendous loss of peace in every shape and form is due to one major factor. Yeah. It is that mankind is disconnected with, with the source of peace, and mm. that is Allah, whose attribute is as-salam. Mm. And as-salam means the real source and the reservoir of peace. So, breaking away from as-salam brings disturbance and destruction on mankind that's the thing isn't it that, yeah. that is the thing uh, you know when we when we talk about how we can actually maintain that inner peace uh, the peace of mind how can we do that that's of course by 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 listening to god by by accepting god almighty believing in him and then of course you know all of these different things which he has mentioned for our own betterment listening to those things acting upon all of these uh, things as well 
Um, let's, uh, of course, we're going to be speaking and going deeper into this topic as well and how we can actually find and benefit. Uh, first, first of all, of course, you know, finding um, uh, uh, this source of peace, but then exta- establishing a relationship, a connection with him as well, and how we can better ourselves, uh, um, you know, w- with this source of peace as well. Um, but before that, let's you know also speak to our guest who's on the line with us, Ahmed uh, Conado, who is the spokesperson of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Scotland. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam. Peace be upon you too and thanks for having me. Zakallah, thank you so much for being with us uh, once again as well. Um, to begin with, Islam claims to be the religion of peace. In fact, the very name Islam means peace and security and submission to and submission, you know, submission to the will of God, and that is of course peace. But we see, you know, on the on the other side, so many Muslims Muslim countries or so-called Muslim countries as all we can say that they they are the ones who have been embroiled in warfare and bloodshed for decades now why is this then? Thank you very much Uh, I think that is a very very important question Uh, sadly as we can we all know uh, the meaning of the word Islam is peace just as you rightly said there Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we tend to see some of the uh, propaganda in the media which portrays Islam hmm. to be a religion of uh, uh, violence or religion of not peace. Uh, but that actually is far from the truth. Uh, but then, sadly, what we tend to see here is it's not just the media doing it. We have some few Muslims as well hmm. who actually, just as you rightly said there, and in the Muslim world where we tend to see I mean, uh, mayhem, war, and unnecessary unrest, which which actually happens. But how does that happen, and how do we know that we, as Muslims, as the Ahmadiyya Muslim Muslim community, following the right teachings, we know this is something that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the founder, the, the teacher of Islam himself, actually made a prophecy about the end time hmm. that. At the time, we would see something very unique uh, with, with his own religion, which is Islam. And that is, you see them actually filling the places of the worship, which is the mosque. But in actual sense, they will not be following the right teachings of what Islam. They will not be actually mm. following the teachings that he actually brought. Likewise, we also see that the Holy Quran, the book of the, the Muslims that we're supposed to be following to be guided, they will beautify it, but in actual sense, they will not be actually be following the actual teachings in the Holy Quran, mm-hmm. in the Holy Quran, the book of the Muslims. Right. So this is actually something that has already been prophesied. But there is always a good news to that effect as well. That when he made all this prophecy, he also said that yes, they they will be the reformer who happened to be the the reformer of the um, the age, mm-hmm. Azra Ghulam Ahmed, who would come. And through him, we will see the beauty of Islam and the true teaching of Islam being uh, coming up again. And that is what we, we actually uh, cling on to. But this is something that has already been said, and we know. Hmm. So it's not something that is uh, unique or something that is, uh, um, I would say, no, 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 I wouldn't say unique, something that is strange, something that has already been prophesied, and that is what is that is what we are seeing. So sadly, it's because they are not following the true teachings of Islam. That is why they actually behave. If they follow the true teachings, as we see the Ahmadiyya Muslim community members do, then we will see the true peace that we we see as Islam, the word is, would be coming from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
also, you know, you know, just leading on from that as well, people also ask uh, this uh, this question that if God is truly, you know, as-salam, the source of peace, then h- how can we reconcile this with the Islamic teachings of jihad? We see that, you know, people, I don't know, may- maybe pe- people misinterpret the meaning of jihad. Maybe Muslims themselves, they don't know the actual teachings and what jihad actually literally means as well. And of course, you know, on the other side, it's both sides, just like you mentioned as well. It's not just the media. It's not just the Western media especially, but it's also some, you know, some, some Muslims as well who don't understand the true teachings as well. It, but we see that if we look at history, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he also fought wars. Now, t- t- can you tell us a little bit more about, about this as well, if those wars were, you know, offensive or defensive wars? And uh, how we can see if there is a teaching of jihad in Islam, then how can how can Islam be you know the religion of peace if the teachings are of war and bloodshed? Uh, thank you very much for this question. But I guess this question is uh, primarily a lack of knowledge. Hmm. Uh, that is why somebody would actually raise such a question. Uh, people who actually and obviously we have people who um, uh, critics who intentionally attack Islam. Hmm. And they will pick on the word jihad. Uh, but we are so fortunate the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, actually uh, interpreted the word jihad for us. We have the, the, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, as I rightly said, who is the reform of the age, who has beautifully also interpreted uh, the, the word jihad as the, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used it. And then also we also noticed that in the Holy Quran, Hmm. the book of the Muslims as well. Jihad is also used in there severally. So what is the actual meaning of the word jihad? Jihad is actually struggling to achieve something good. So, so let's say I'm a student, for instance, and I decide to be burning the night and not sleeping and studying very hard to achieve uh, my success in my in my uh, educational endeavors. That is me perceiving a jihad. And we, hmm. we have a very beautiful instance at the time of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that when they were, like you said, the Prophet himself um, partook in these uh, 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 battles, hmm. um, I will go into that a bit, but then when they finished all these battles, once when they were returning, he literally said that we have finished with the lesser jihad, hmm. the smaller jihad, and when you are now going to the bigger jihad, and, and the companions were a bit, Surprise! So what is a bigger jihad? Then is a big, bigger jihad. It's literally fighting your own self to undermine your own or to to suppress your own uh, weaknesses, so that you can bring the good of you out, so that through you, good come out of you, and you spread good in the society. Mm. So we see that jihad, as it we use it in the sense of the war, we notice that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, yes. But this is a scenario which was quite unique because it was a situation which was very categoric, that it was very pu- purely defensive. Here is a case, someone had lived among his people for 40 years. They have given him all the beautiful titles of the most trustworthy person, the most uh, truthful person and all those But He claims to be a prophet hmm. and all he's doing is just wishing his people good, that you should just move from all the evil things you're doing and, and just come and do something good. That will be make you a better human being so that you can have a better connection with your almighty God. So he was just connecting them to, with God. And what they did was to attack him, start persecuting him, start killing his, his people, and start torturing him. For 13 solid years, he remained quiet, and all he did was he responded with peace. Now, he moved out of that township, 
traveled about 250 miles out of the township to a different place. And what we saw was that they said, no, we will not allow you to continue practicing your religion of peace. So we will attack you. It was at a point only when the Almighty God said, now you are permitted to defend yourself. But even without permission of defense, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, outlined categorically how the Muslims were supposed to fight in this battle. Hmm. You are not supposed to destroy places of worship. He was very much in love with the environment. You cannot go and destroy any trees. You cannot just destroy the places of worship. You cannot kill the the, the religious uh, clerics, the leaders of the religion, uh, slaves and women and children who have come as part of the battle. You're not supposed to be killing them. So you can see that this was purely defensive. And even with this defensive war, there's a clear-cut guidelines outlined for the Muslims so that they don't cause any chaos in that particular uh, um, uh, uh, battle. Mm. So this is something that is just an allegation of people who don't actually have knowledge, and that is why they say this. If not, the word jihad in itself simply means fighting to achieve something good. And what we see, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, headed by our beloved uh, Imam, the Caliph, Azumi Zamasur Ahmed, uh, may, Allah be, um, may Allah be his helper, leading the way is what we see now happening. And we saw this just last week, uh, last two weeks, when we, we had a, 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 an amazing um, 26,000 Muslims, Ahmadi Muslims gathering, and with his leadership, hmm. we can see peace and nothing more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that wonderful. is the word jihad. That is actually jihad <laughs> that, in his best possible form. That is the that is the actual jihad as well. <laughs> uh, very very well uh, very well put there. Um, also, we see that Islam, you know, Islam encourages justice and absolute justice. But uh, a question is: is that is violence permitted if it is you know deemed necessary to to deliver justice? Is that is that allowed in Islam? <laughs> <laughs> violence will never ever achieve anything. <laughs> violence will only achieve violence. <laughs> um, if you if you follow whatever I've said so far, you realize that Islam categorically hmm. denounces violence. There is no way you are permitted, and that is why even when the Muslims were attacked, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, unequivocally de- decided to clear things to the Muslims so that they are very much aware of what they are doing. They are not there to cause chaos. They are there to defend themselves. So there's no way Islam would ever permit uh, violence. Any Muslim who, who tend to attack anyone, or they need to do, they need to understand. <laughs> they are not doing any service, but if anything at all, mm-hmm. they are doing a very big disservice to the religion of Islam because Islam advocates for peace, tolerance, justice at all levels of the society. Absolutely, absolutely. We mentioned the the promised Messiah upon whom we peace in you know in the beginning as well, and how you know it was prophesied by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that Muslims will be there, but they will not be following or acting upon the true teachings of Islam. Um, but then you know there will be you know in in different generations, he's mentioned also that uh, there will be you know the, the 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 Messiah will come, the awaited Mahdi will come as well. And we, as the Ahmadi Muslim community, we believe that the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, has come in the in the name of Hazrat Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian. and he has said that you know the time for the jihad of the pen, or the jihad of the sword, is gone now. But now it it is time to utilize the pen, and it is the jihad of the pen which is uh, important, and that is what our jihad is uh, as well. Yet we see that 
a lot of injustice injustices are happening a lot of wars and conflicts are happening around the world as well but some people may argue that you know if it is the the jihad of the pen if if it is that time it is, that might not be enough you will have to go out and do you know go out f- for war as well what would you, you know what would you be your response to anyone who would s- say that Okay, once again repeat this very strong statement that uh, war or violence will not achieve anything good mm. but continue to cause more chaos and mm. more violence for us. Apparently, um, the Messiah has come. He has given the beautiful teaching and that is the jihad of the pen. And that is what we are supposed to follow. Now, what we see now here is how do we how do we use the pen that that is even something very important here hmm. because here is the case people might utilize the pen and they might cause harm the media was using the pen and they were causing they were causing more harm they 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 have actually led to people uh, stereotyping muslims hmm. and all those but just because they are also using the pen in a wrong direction yeah so what it simply means here is that we need to follow the right teachings of islam by using the pen to propagate the beautiful teachings of Islam to the to the corners of the earth. Now, many may have the pen, many may take, but a few are actually granted the true spirit to conduct the jihad of the pen, which is actually accepted by the promised Messiah and by Islam. And that is what Islam actually teaches us, that we need to do things with simply peace. And what we need to understand here is, it is a matter of patience as well. It's not like, I mean, some quick fixes. This world is now heading towards a direction which is actually very dangerous for all of us. And if we continue to fight with war, thinking that, um, uh, and that is what we see. I mean, I'm not a politician, but we all see what is going on in the world now. Mm. That uh, you see what we, we see what we what we have in Ukraine. You see what we have in other places of the world. And then they think somehow they actually fixing the what the, the issue. But what we tend to hear to see here is. They actually compounded the trouble. More people are killed, more people are destroyed. But when we have the pen, and we use the pen to propagate the beautiful teaching of Islam, then there's no way there's going to be what? Any chaos in the world. And that is what I say. I'm going to repeat again. That is what the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Muslim, uh, uh, is doing. And in fact, your, your, your channel, Voice of Islam, mm. is also doing the jihad of a pen. We see we have the Muslim television Ahmadiyya, which is uh, our 24, um, uh, 24-7 TV channel, hmm. which is also doing that. And we are led by a unique leader, the Caliph, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which with that process, all the Ahmadis are united under one umbrella. And then we follow one course, and that is we follow the course of love for all, hatred for none. And we do this with peace charitable deeds and all those good deeds and that is what we are supposed to do so nobody should ever sit anywhere and think that by using violence or engaging in in, in warfare we are going to solve any problem mm. what has happened to the world today we can only see chaos yeah. so we need to use the jihad of the pen in a peaceful way and be patient and then also pray that god will help us to achieve what the goal in 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 the shortest possible time uh, Brother Ahmed, just uh, one uh, question, just for the sake of my listeners, I would like you to elaborate a little bit that, you know, why did the Holy Prophet of Islam had to fight the physical wars? 
whereas you know the teachings of islam is that it should be peace and uh, you shouldn't be fighting wars uh, why was that he was he had to fight the wars and another thing which you could kindly elaborate w- would be that you know uh, there is a um tradition of the of the holy prophet of islam that you know if you see something which is evil happening then you should try to stop it with your hands with your power if you can't do that then you you, you use your your mouth you t- you say that it is not it's good and even if you can't do that then you you you, you just feel it it is bad mm-hmm. so um you know what are the situations where you are actually allowed to um to to physically um you know fight a war Yes, I believe uh, um, uh, your question had actually said a bit about it earlier on, and that is the fact that uh, we need to understand the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had lived in a particular instance. He only professed peace. He loved peace. Peace came from him, and he only spread peace from him. And that is all we saw him doing. But sadly, the people would not accept him to, what, to profess his religion. And then they decided to attack him even when he had moved out of the place. So it's not a case of uh, you just get up one day or somebody does something and I have to um, respond in, in violence. No, you make all the efforts to stop it with what? With love and with peace. And most of the time, you with patience, you'll be able to win. But when they go beyond all bounds, and then the law, the law is there in this particular instance where there's law, then you refer it to the law for the law to take its course. You don't take the law into your hands. So so this is a case where we say yes when someone has harmed me what do I do? You know we we have we have a system in place. Before there won't be that much system and then even the people who are actually um uh, uh um supposed to be um uh, implementing the system would actually be violating it. But here is a case in a system in a system where things are so clear then the law is there then the law should take its course. So if the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him says when you see something you need to really stop it if it's within your own circles where you you where you are giving the mandate to do it then with peace you can then execute it but um, most of the time it's not within your reach for instance if it's within my own family for instance as a father and I see my son causing any harm in the house I have my right to just quickly stop him right then then and that is me using my hand to stop him then no stop it don't do this Mm-hmm. but i wouldn't go out and start doing it outside in the in the unless it's 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 uh, like we say in the reflex action when somebody immediately sort of attack you then you have to in a way defend yourself before even you get a police involved mm-hmm. but in a case where the law is there preferably you pass the matter on to the law and the law will deal with the cause in a in a more efficient and the best possible way but as we live in this particular society where we have the chance to use the media to use the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the social media and then what the media as, as we see it today then we carry on with the jihad of the pen in the best possible way right against it and then inshallah with with the help of allah you will see the truth eventually imagine absolutely absolutely i mean uh, very very wonderfully put there as well and as we you know very much enjoyed listening to your answers as well ahmed gunadu uh, spokesperson of the ahmed muslim community from scotland thank you so much zakullah and uh, have a good day assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam
That was a good, uh, very nice, uh, very good discussion um, uh, uh, with Gunnar Sahib, uh, speaking to him and asking him, you know, a lot of these uh, questions. And hopefully, you know, the listeners uh, have a sort of a better understanding of uh, what Islam says about uh, about peace and justice, but also how we can, you know, how we how the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was the one who actually gave the peace, and Allah the Almighty. You know, giving us that uh, teaching as well. You know, it's uh, it's very interesting that uh, yeah, because this question comes up, it may not, may, maybe we are drifting away from the the, the topic mm-hmm. a little bit. But Aslam uh, is 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 the peace. But uh, the promised Messiah, um, on whom be peace. You know, because he was living under the British rule. Yeah. And obviously, there were there were people who were in favor of you know raising their voice against the British rule or physically acting against them. And um, and he he was the one at that time who gave the Islamic teaching to them. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he actually guided and he said that it is not jihad to plan to revolt while living under the equitable rule of a just government, hmm. such as the empire of uh, our honored queen, Her Majesty the Empress of India. Rather, it is a thinking replete with incivility in, in and ignorance to act maliciously towards a government which allows civic freedom and firmly establishes peace and under which religious rights can be fully carried out is a criminal act rather than jihad. So this explains that the situation under which you are allowed to fight or uh, you you have to take take up the weapons uh, sword mm. um, is a situation where you are you are not allowed to to do your religious practice. So there also it says that you you should leave that place if you are not, but you should not um, you know revolt against that. So so basically so you see th- the Islam goes to that and uh, to to that extent to to create peace. That even if you are living in a society where you are um, uh, sort of forced to an extent where you are not able to perform even your own religious mm. rights, then no, then you should leave that place. Yeah, and yeah. that is to create the peace of the society. Mm. Okay, uh, it it says ideally that there should be absolute justice and you should be given freedom course, in a course. particular government, whatever type of government it is, you should be provided uh, and uh, um, and as we will be t- uh, speaking later on about justice, that uh, justice should be provided yeah. because that, that is what brings peace to the mm. society. So if, it, if, if there is no peace, there is no, uh, if there is no justice, there is no peace. So uh, our topic about As-Salaam, God Almighty is the source of peace and He is the one who is guiding us how to bring peace into the society. Mm. And these are the different measures we have spoken about. And and the Holy Quran says again that the verily Allah commands you to act with justice, to confer benefits upon others and to do good to others as one does to one's close blood relatives and forbids evil which pertains to your own selves and evil which affects others and prohibits revolt against lawful authority. Mm. He warns you that you may remain mindful. That's from chapter uh, 16, verse 91. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in addition, Allah, who, you know, one of the attributes is as also instructs us 
that family members, neighbors, employees, travelers, and even strangers should be given the you know the utmost care and security as well as so of course you know the the elderly, widows, orphans, the the handicapped, the poor, the needy should you know should also be provided all necessary financial and emotional. Uh, you know, sometimes it's even physical help as well. And these teachings and many more come from Allah, who is As-Salam, the fountain, uh, the the fountain of peace. Um, and they all, you know, they they all foundations of a peaceful society. Uh, you know, an absolute justice. And quite rightly, what you said that we're going to be speaking about justice. Um, you know, towards the towards the next part of the show, uh, as well as both of these topics are sort of uh, interlinked. As-Salam being one of the attributes of God and also of course um, uh, justice as well um, let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us Annie but who is a primary school teacher uh, philosophy for children lead and also has given extensive talks about uh, emotional well-being and dealing with trauma she's also a, pod, a poet and also an artist assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and good good, uh, good afternoon welcome to the show assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, on today's show uh, to begin with how can the attribute of assalam being the source of peace help in a uh, help and assist in breaking bad habits such as ego and selfishness uh, so, you know greed as well sometimes maybe and these other you know bad habits I think first of all, um, as uh, as the earlier guests and you have already reiterated that as-salam uh, means that Allah is the source of peace as well. And we can't actually uh, attain that peace or be part of that peace unless we recognize that there is a need for peace. Um, and that comes through developing that self-awareness and being able to recognize that when there is this sense of um, of feeling lost or feeling in disorder, you, you can't come to that conclusion unless you have developed that self-awareness. And that self-awareness will only uh, come after you have developed the skill to critically reflect on on your own state. And I think where a lot of people go wrong is that they put that responsibility in others' hands. So when we're reflecting, we end up reflecting on what other people have done and what their motives might have been. And unfortunately, as it takes a lot of people a very long time to learn that we can't control other people, we can't control the factors around us. The only thing we really can control is our response to it. And and this is why I think the one thing we need to do is develop those skills of critically self-reflecting and that means to be truly honest with ourselves and and that requires inner peace and inner peace does not mean that you um, that there is no uh, tribulations there's no trials at all it doesn't mean that there's an absence of difficulties actually about having that uh, self-reflective skills to be able to respond to those factors around you and adapt to it um, so it's it's that whole concept of bending rather than breaking mm. and um, and I think one of the main sources of disorder and not being able to find that inner peace is because we're struggling with these range of emotions and when we critically self-reflect we are able to maybe recognize that I'm feeling upset and most people stop there, but it's about recognizing the root of those emotions. And most of the times, I think 
people are, well, I'm saying people, I know I've been there where I found myself feeling very guilty for having a particular human emotion. And this is the point where when we feel lost, we then turn to the source of peace, which is Allah. And I do that a lot through um, to, through uh, verses of the Quran, so where I do Arabic calligraphy. So there was a time when I felt really lost and I looked for guidance in the Quran and I found the quote and he found thee wandering in search and guided thee. And while I was um, I was making that piece of art, it really gave me that time and that space to actually reflect on what guidance has Allah put in place for us and mm-hmm. how can we follow that. Absolutely, absolutely. And quite rightly, you know, what, what you just mentioned as well, that um, different people have different ways in, you know, in in, in attaining uh, attaining peace as well, especially when it's yeah. inner peace, peace of mind, and there's different, you know, different ways uh, where people actually come and do that as well, or or try to, you know, uh, achieve that. As someone, as you mentioned, you, you enjoy poetry and, of course, you know, cr- uh, creating art such as uh, calligraphy, mm-hmm. um, uh, Quranic calligraphy as well. How do you think that we can channel sort of, you know, this? creative mind or creativity to help achieve inner peace? How, how can we actually do that? Well, creativity is really just the, using your imagination or some original ideas to create something. And it, it ranges from uh, uh, creating art all the way to uh, some people, uh, if, if you look at them, we're all dressed differently, we do our hair differently. So creativity is, it, it ranges from anything and everything to be honest so i think the first thing that we need to do is recognizing that that stimuli for thinking are really all around us so it's developing that philosophical sensitivity knowing that anything around us can be a stimulus for deeper thinking so um my art normally or my poetry is most of the time um triggered during either a hike or during a walk and as someone who um, I've now recognized can connect deeper with my own emotions, mm. I, I find that um, being one with nature, so going on my hikes or my walks, which is all a creation of Allah, it, it makes me appreciate everything that I've been blessed with, but it also triggers that reflective process so that that only comes really from recognizing that anything around us can be a source for our creative thinking uh, and and channeling that towards inner peace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we see in Islam that uh, Islam is you know all about um, it's all about peace. In fact, you know the the, the very name Islam means peace and uh, submission as well. In fact, you know, when you know when we greet each other, we meet each other, we say "Assalamu alaikum," peace be upon you, and uh, you know, there's so many different things which 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 you know which which uh, you know which lead to peace, and because of course the name of of the whole religion it is is Islam anyway. Is peace difficult to attain then? Um, I think that is a question that people have been trying to answer for centuries, hmm. um, and they've been trying, and I think. M- my personal question is, or my personal answer, sorry, would be that you have to define what peace means first. 
And where we have almost romanticized this whole image of inner peace, uh, I think that is the problem in itself. We need to recognize that peace does not mean the absence of, of difficulties or the absence of tears. It actually means being able to respond to whatever's happening and and sometimes for myself and uh, I might just be talking on my own behalf here hmm. I feel that inner peace sometimes means that you do feel lost and it's through that feeling of not knowing what to do is that you turn to God and you turn to the source of peace so even th that um, sense of not having peace sometimes leads you back to peace for me that is inner peace knowing that at some point you can rely on Allah and you can come back uh, even when you do feel lost and it's it's being able to have those skills to reflect and understand that when you're finding that things around you are really difficult to cope with um, it's it's not it, it doesn't mean that you're smiling all the time that is not inner peace for me inner peace is recognizing the en anything around us is the energy that we need to lead us back to Allah, who is the ultimate source of peace. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, we also, you know, we're told uh, time and time again um, in the, you know, uh, I mean, the, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has also told us so many different narrations uh, that we must fulfill the rights of God as well as fulfill, fulfilling the rights of uh, of mankind, you know, service to mankind as well. We're, to we're told also in the Holy Quran that we must, you know, try our best to, you know, emulate or or, or try to copy the different attributes of uh, of God. One mm -hmm. of the, you know, of course, we're talking about one of the attributes of God in the, in the you know in our show today, which is Assalam, the the source of peace. Mm -hmm. Now, how how can we sort of emulate that? How can we personify that? in our day-to-day -day lives and then of course you know fulfill the rights of God and then fulfill the rights of mankind as well I think if we look at the actual um, meaning of Assalam source of peace it's it, it's about us trying to practice those behaviors and actions that will be, become a source of peace for ourselves but also for the people around us mm. so um, what are we doing that is bringing the people around us peace are we disturbing other people's peace? And and I think there there was something that I saw this morning on Twitter. Um, it was about the words that we speak. Are they bringing other people peace? And um, sometimes we we react in such a haste hmm. that we don't actually reflect on how this might impact others. But at the same time, you, it also impacts on the person we're trying to become. And if we are disturbing other people's peace, then we are not that source of peace for others. And and this is why I think the best way to uh, live that attribute is about first understanding what it means to become a source of peace for others. So how can we speak kind words? How can we support others? And how can we support humanity around us? And, and sometimes it's as small as, for example, I, I do hikes all the time, I do, um, I run, and uh, sometimes just to get that motivation going, I sign up for a charity run, or um, just, and that's just my smallest possible way of, of trying to get some peace across. And sometimes it's also about putting 
kind words across and you never know who might uh, out of the hundred people or thousands of people who might read your tweet it might just be that one person who needed to hear those words today and um, and I, I truly do feel that if you if your intentions are are good um, then most of the time you will be a source of peace but at the same time I think we do need to reflect if someone does come back to us and I think to become a source of peace is that constant self-reflection that we need and be honest put the ego aside and recognize that you know we are the imperfect humans that will make mistakes and we do need to keep reflecting and adapt to our environment where needed and that's often the only way that we can become a source of peace for others absolutely absolutely Annie, but wonderfully uh, put there, and very, very nice uh, speaking to you uh, as well. Zakumla, and thank uh, you for having me. Thank you, thank you, Alhamdulillah. Um, very interesting speaking to both of uh, both of our guests um, uh, um, at the moment uh, this afternoon for you know for the show so far. Um, we're going to be listening to uh, a very short uh, audio clip of His Holiness. Where he has spoken uh, spoken about uh, this uh, particular topic as well. Uh, let's listen to that right now. First of all, I will mention a golden principle for establishing peace that is enshrined in Chapter 16, verse 91 of the Holy Quran, where Allah the Almighty says, "Verily, Allah enjoins justice." and the doing of good to others, and giving like kindred. Hence, the Qur'an does not only call upon Muslims to be fair and just, but rather has established a far higher standard of treating others. Where Allah the Almighty says, giving like kindred, He requires a believer to favor others and so always desire the very best for them. It requires Muslims to treat all other people like their close family members. It obliges that they strive to love others without any desire for reward, just as a mother mother selflessly loves her child. Furthermore, the Quran does not say that a Muslim should treat only their fellow Muslims in this way. Rather, it says that they should love others and this includes Muslims and non-Muslims alike. Yet, when we see the state of certain Muslim countries today, it is clear that this Islamic teaching has been completely ignored. Many Muslim governments have failed to fulfill the rights of their people. And this has led to long-term and deeply held frustration developing amongst the people. As a result, rebel and terrorist groups have formed. And all parties have been guilty of inflicting the most horrendous acts of cruelty. Previously successful nations have been torn apart and immersed in calamitous civil wars. All of this conflict and warfare is based upon the fact that 
the majority of Muslims have forgotten the true teachings of their religion and are failing to fulfill the rights of one another. Rather than manifesting justice and integrity, they are motivated solely by greed and a desire for power. Tragically, the end result is that peace is being eroded as restlessness entrenches itself amongst the masses. In terms of the standards of justice that Islam advocates, in chapter 4, verse 136 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty says, O ye who believe, be strict in observing justice and be witness for Allah, even though it be against yourselves or against parents and kindred, whether he be rich or poor. Allah is more regardful of them both than you are. Therefore, then says, therefore follow not low desires so that you may be able to act equitably. And if you conceal the truth or evade it, then remember that Allah is well aware of what you do. This verse demonstrates the, the fact that Islam's teachings are never cruel nor unjust. Rather, they are based upon unparalleled standards of fairness, wherein the Quran states that a person should be ready to testify against himself or his loved ones in order to uphold the truth. It is very easy to say that I am ready to speak against myself. However, to practically live up, uh, live up to this uh, standard is incredibly difficult. Yet, this is the target and challenge that Allah the Almighty has laid down to the Muslims, wherein he has said that true justice cannot transpire until a person willing to set, uh, to set aside all personal interests. That was His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, um, you know, telling us a little bit more about uh, about uh, this particular topic, and it is very, very much uh, needed as well. Um, we see that the promised Messiah upon whom be peace through divine guidance establish a community, which is, you know, of course, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and the aim and objective is uh, for you know for every member to become peaceful and establish peace in the world. The fourth condition of uh, of birth of initiation is that under the impulse of any passions, he and she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of God in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, hands, nor any other means as well. As we can see that this, you know, in this very basic teaching of Islam, peace is preferred and justice is taught. And it is this mindset which will stop the world from another global war as well. And once we have, you know, once we have these fundamentals in place, only then can we raise our hopes that we may be able to live in a peaceful world. Indeed, peace is not something that we can sort of, you know, just compromise or take lightly. For future generations, the actions of today will have an immense impact 
uh, as well in the future. Join us after the break as uh, as we will move, be moving on to our next segment, which is sort of a second segment about for this, uh, and that is about justice. Join us after the break. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through thirteen long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding. Yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians, and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alamin, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a true man of peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Before the break, we were speaking about a very, a very important. Uh, and also a very interesting uh, topic, which was about uh, one of the attributes of God Almighty being As-Salam, uh, which means the source of peace, as Allah the Almighty, God Almighty is the source of peace, the fountainhead of peace, one who provides peace and security and comfort to all of us as well. It's our duty. <laughs> it's our duty to 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 realize to realize this, uh, you know, this this beauty of God Almighty as well, His favor, His bounties. And then, of course, establish a living, a a living connection, a a a a living uh, sort of uh, a union with God Almighty, a connection with God Almighty, um, so that we can actually benefit from this as much as possible as well, and also so that we can not just attain inner peace and peace of mind, but also so that we can you know emulate this peace. Uh, within our societies, our homes, our countries, our nations, and of course, you know, you know, have peace in the whole world as well. And something which actually leads on from that, or one of the ways in which we can establish peace, is uh, is absolute justice. And justice is the basic tenet of uh, of any sort of society, wherever you go, whichever part of the world you go. There needs to be justice for a particular society, for any sort of society to actually progress. And justice is one of the key principles for this one as well. It is the concept that all should be treated fairly, allowing the same opportunities and possibilities for people of all walks of life. And throughout different er- throughout different eras and societies, we've been seeing different injustices uh, take place and many efforts have been sort of you know they've been tried and made to in to ensure justice prevails the creation of the the UN charter of human rights in 1948 was a pivotal moment um in, in our understanding of justice which laid out 
in a in, in a in a legal framework all the ways uh, in which justice should be carried out but there's so much more to be done as well and that, i mean what what the un sort of charter of human rights what they have done is that they have sort of they have tried to they have tried to lay these you know different foundations as well and different means to 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 make sure that there is peace that there is justice but it is not enough as i mentioned there's, there's still a lot more um that has to be done let's look at the teachings of islam though what does islam say and this is you know by the way 1400 years ago before all of this united nations before all of these um you know nato and all these you know nations coming together uh, and trying to establish a, a you know a more peaceful world in the holy quran in chapter 4 verse 136 allah the almighty states that o ye who believe be strict in observing justice and be witness for allah even though it be against yourselves or against parents and kindred whether he be rich or poor allah is more regardful of them both than you are therefore follow not low desires so that you may be able to act equitably and if you conceal the truth or evade it then remember that allah is well aware of what you do we see that the holy quran categorically commands all of us uh, all of us um, you know men and women in fact you know the whole, the whole of humanity to always prioritize the truth and justice even if we make you know sort of uh, you know great personal sacrifices in order to do so so sometimes you know there may be a, a court case uh, against uh, you know against against uh, you know against us against our families the holy quran tells us that even if we have to tell you know you have to keep the the standards of truth you have to keep the standards of uh, of being fair you have to keep the standards of uh, of integrity as well of course you know being just and even if we have to you know give a witness or uh, bear any sort of testimony against yourselves your parents your kindred your family members your friends your dear ones then you should do so you shouldn't just give in just because they are your family members as well so these things are you know are very very much important something that all of us should uh, should adhere to very deeply as well um let's move the conversation uh, further with uh, with our first guest for this part of the show dr rodney besir who is the ch- chair of the department of teacher education and is an associate professor in education also serves as the president of the Pan-African Ahmadiyya Muslim Association of the United States of America. Assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam good to be here again. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for for taking time out and being with us uh, as well as an honor and a pleasure as well to have you on to begin with uh, as an educator working with uh, with uh, you know young people especially do you feel as if the the new generations they consider this world to be one which values justice so i i think that's an interesting question um in general right um i think naturally you know the the in our in our amadia literature the promise of sayah himself uh, imam madi uh, he writes about the natural state of man uh, when it comes to justice uh, and he talks about how we 
instinctively feel a sense of uh, fairness in our nature, right? When we see something that's against our nature, we cry out against it. Um, and I think when you look at young people, especially youth that you mentioned, some of that is still there. You know, some five-year-old will tell you when a thing is not fair because they see justice in kind of clear, demarked black and white terms. Those gray areas don't emerge until, you know, after you're past your teens. This generation, what we call Generation Z, um, does have a little bit more expansive sense, uh, I believe, of justice. And, mm. you know, the reports, when you look at Pew Research and things like that, uh, they they do have a stronger sense of, you know, what they think of as justice, you know, whether it's social justice around ethnic and racial rights and other kinds of things like that. I mean, the last... 10 years in the world, you've seen all over the world, you know, young people walking and marching in the streets for what they consider to be unjust actions, whether it be in relation to police violence or war or, you know, abortion, other things like that. So there's a, there's a sense there, but you know, that's a part of the natural human sense Mm -hmm. to cling to what is true and right and, and fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Given your your area of expertise in education, what do you feel is the greatest barrier to a more just educational system? That and 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 what are you know some of the potential ways to overcome this uh, you know this uh, particular barrier? So so what's interesting um, in your in your in in the question that you've laid out this question and the first question you know there's a uh, our fourth Khalifa. Um, uh, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed uh, wrote a book. It was first a speech, and then he wrote a book called um, "Absolute Justice: Kindness and Kinship," mm. um, where he lays out what is the nature of justice as we, as Muslims, understand it, or ought to understand it, right? As the Quran explains it, right. and he said the most the the most basic is what we call adl, justice, due to somebody else, what you would want done to yourself, um, and then there is this ihsan, a place of grace, which is a little bit a step above that, and then finally there's the itai del korba the giving or the treatment of a person as if the person is your own blood your own brother or sister Mm. Uh, so I think the, the 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 sense of justice, as I described earlier is more of that first level people think of fairness as you know you know, do unto others, right? The, what we call the golden rule, the basic thing, do to somebody else what you'd have done to you. And and so I think the first element, if we're going to get to a truly just world, a world of absolute justice, as the fourth Khalifa called it, or supreme justice, as our current Khalifa calls it, we have to expand our sense of what justice is. It cannot simply be the the, the old the traditional way or the, the kind of, you know, child's mind, do unto someone else as you would want done to you. You have to begin to see other human beings as a part of a larger human family. Mm. Um, and so that, I think, is where we continuously as human beings fall short. You know, you mentioned the United Nations and so forth in your intro. And the truth is, the kind of justice that is practiced in many or described in many of the World Forum is even below the do unto others mentality. Mm. So when will they ever get to the place where you're talking about treating someone else like they're my family members, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing is we have to be- begin to develop a more fuller understanding understanding of what we mean by absolute justice or supreme justice and you know and as you know by Allah's grace as Ahmadis and we have the Quran that helps us to understand this depth 
so that first thing I say would be the first thing. Develop a deeper consciousness of what justice means. And then we can start thinking about how to create better systems or that education systems or otherwise, right? Because mm. then when we, when we get to policy, we're not just crafting policy because, you know, I'm afraid that some new policy that we're going to create is going to make you have more than me, right? Maybe you need more than me and that's okay, mm. right? A true mm. sense of justice, you know, you know uh, Martin Luther King calls it a revolution of values. It may be that the other person needs more equity does not mean absolute equality, yeah. Right. And yeah. so that kind of that depth of justice has to first we have to really expand our mentality, our minds, mm-hmm. uh, that mindset has to shift. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's why, just like you mentioned, justice is a very abstract, uh, a very abstract term. Some people may interpret it in one way, but other people may interpret it in a different way. Um, maybe you ask you how to come to how to come to, how do you come to view this uh, this word and this term of justice as well? And do you think that those people who are in power, especially you know the the world leaders uh, we see as well, um, how, how do you think they understand this uh, this term this word uh, justice? So I, I think the first thing is to my own understanding um, originally came from my background, right? Mm. I grew up in the church um, in the Caribbean. Um, I'm from Jamaica, and we were taught the Christian approach. And as you know, in the Old Testament, justice was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Mm. The fourth Khalifa ultimately said that, and 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 you know, some of the wise people said that if if all we ever did was eye for eye and tooth for a tooth, then everybody would be blind and toothless, right? Mm. Um, so that 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 that. I had to grow from that, and the Quranic sense, you know, allowed me to grow from that. This verse that I talked about in chapter 16, Surah Nal, when the fourth Khalifa writes an entire book about it, like 300 pages, right? Mm. And he's talking about the fact that the Quran, this is described as one of the most expansive verses of the Holy Quran. And the book itself is subtitled, The Three Creative Principles. Think about that. The 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 said this is what the entire universe is built on. The whole world is built on this construct of justice. So my understanding or my beginning understanding of justice was very different from where it ended up, and that's because the the Quranic experience allowed me to develop a a, a deeper sense. Now, do I think the rest of the world has that? No, uh, I think the rest of the world is mm. is if we think look at the world today, and again, even from my field in the field of education, right? Whether you're looking in the United States or you're looking at you guys there in the UK, um, the Anglo-American system has a very big problem with providing effective quality education. And what is the main reason for that? The main reason for that is a lack of a sense of justice. And I'll give uh, reasons. We know that early childhood education is very, very important to the development of a child and an adult. But in the Anglo-American experience, early childhood education is privately provided by small churches or small entities with kind of sideway government support. So what that means is that there are some children who are getting an excellent, um, you know, what we would describe as a world-class early childhood education experience, and then there are some children who are getting very little of an experience because it's based upon their zip code or what their parents can afford. That is unjust, yeah. right? When we have countries with the levels of wealth we have, why would one child be going to school with everything they need? Hmm and getting a high quality education, and another child maybe just two blocks away, a mile away, is getting very little, 
and we can afford it as a nation Mm. because the country has not committed that it's okay to educate the entire population in an effective way so that the whole society can benefit. Right. Um, And that's an Anglo-American problem. It began in Victorian England and even prior to that and continued. And in in the United States, we adopt the same system. So we don't have universal early childhood education in our systems. Right. Um, And and, and if you can kind of extrapolate from there, those years that are missing in the early years continue to be missing throughout the years of education. And then we ask, why is it that we have dropouts in high school or why is it that, you know, they're graduating from elementary school and some kids can read and some kids cannot. but you didn't even commit fully to the early years right so that that sense of justice is not understood as we are all benefiting as a society because we're all family I mean that's you know quite you know quite rightly what you just mentioned that's just one of the problems which uh, you know which uh, one of the major you know countries or nations are actually facing to this day as well um, it's you know it's sad to see that uh, you know we, we we talk about all of these advancements and we talk about how you know we are we're, we're the leaders of the world, but then we, basic necessities um, are not even being provided in, you know in a in a proper way. Um, in you know something which is linked to this as well is that in 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 popular social discourse in today's day and age. There seems to be many barriers to justice, just like you mentioned as well. It could be because of race, it could be because of gender, class, or the postcode that you know that, that you live on. Sometimes it, it may feel like sort of you know it's just too much to handle, or you know we don't even know where to begin um, how you know the the solution for this. But is it possible for there to be you know just one solution to all of these injustices? Uh, so I, I I wouldn't say there's there's kind of like one solution. There's a kind of comprehensive solution, right? Which is mm. a change in mindset and lifestyle. Um, and and as of course, as a Muslim, I'm obviously going to be biased. But as a converted Muslim, mm. I'm I'm I I maintain the same bias, but an awareness as to what, for example, Islam demands. That number one, it's a change in mindset. Yeah. That you know we're trying to do things not for the sake even of our ourselves but we're doing for the sake of God and then my own personal ego gets pushed out of the way Mm. that my mind might be telling me that that's a rich family and they can afford early childhood education so I don't think my government should pass a policy and allow it but my Islamic sense tells me pass the laws give everybody and then that child will benefit like every other child and no child will fall through the cracks and even if that child is rich there's a system for which that child will also serve society because of that child's love of god so mm-hmm. i think that mindset has to is is key if you're asking me of a single shift then it's a that shift in mindset is key mm-hmm. uh, because you have to learn to love others not just because they're they're human beings, but in loving God, you're like, I'm loving you because you are created by God. And we come from the same source, and so we must love and honor and respect each other because of that source. It's like a family that stays together because of the patriarch or the matriarch of the family, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, that great, 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 great grandfather or that great, great, great grandmother did so much to keep the family together, us young ones stay together because we're like, but in their memory in their testimony we must continue so even if i struggle with my cousin or my sister i'm going to stay close because that's what my great grandparents wanted something bigger than myself so if we move our minds to that which is bigger than us as 
simple human beings and we're minor in the universe aren't we yeah. so if we see ourselves as 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 connected to a grander whole then if you ask me what's a simple solution it would be that to move our mind so i'm not looking at the budget and i'm not looking at that family that i think should go work a little harder i mean right mm-hmm. i'm looking at God, who is great, has said, you have the means, you must take care of each other. And on that basis, I'm going to teach this kid to read, right? As Muslims think about it, right? Yeah. In the time of the Prophet, when when they, even if they ended up in war and they took prisoners of war, one of the ways a person could get away from being imprisoned in war was to teach another Muslim, teach a Muslim to read, right? Prophet Atbutter said, you teach 10 Muslims to read and then I'll let you go free. Mm. Think about that. That education is so valuable that it's a way to take away the danger that you have done. You just try to kill Muslims, but educating 10 Muslims is much, much grander. And so that's the grand vision that we have to try to develop. And if there's a single solution, that would be it. That's a hard one um, because Mm -hmm. people claim faith all the time, but struggle to practice it. And, you know, that's why God sends books and prophets. But I think that consciousness raising is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very wonderfully uh, put there as well. Um, you know, letting go of that personal ego is also that you know the mindset can uh, can you know change for the better uh, as well. Dr. Rodney, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and speaking to us. It's an absolute pleasure speaking to you from the United States of America. Thank you so much. Assalamualaikum. Thank you. Thank you. Waalaikumsalam. I appreciate you and thank you for the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think uh, <coughs> the um, priority, hmm. you know. If you have that spirit of sacrifice uh, and you leave your vested interest, yeah. your greed, yeah. because the most of the problems currently we are facing are um, not only at individual level, but as a like national level even, that you have a lot of greed that you want to accumulate. You have got the resources with which if we distribute them equally to the people, many of them they can benefit out of it Mm. and uh, you will not lose much it's not that you are going to go hungry if you provide some food to somebody who is hungry out there um, and dying of hunger but because of the greed you don't want to share that with the other person in fact there are cases where you, 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 you actually take away that source which you can easily provide and you can you, you destroy or damage that uh, rather than providing it to somebody or for for as a as a help so hmm. this uh, this greed or this vested interest if we if that goes away and we find that you know we have been created by god almighty the purpose of our life is to to please him hmm. and if we please him and uh, the the one of the means or one of the best means is to do something for his creation Absolutely. and you start sharing the resources then of course uh, uh, that is going to one help your fellow beings and second it's going to please God Almighty who is the source of all the resources hmm. so th- if you are able to please God Almighty and the purpose of your life becomes to please God Almighty, then naturally that is going to create such an atmosphere which is going to uh, bring um, justice um, uh, because, you, you know, the Holy Quran mentions about, uh, you know, the teachings of the Holy Quran is that, you know, even if 
um, opposite to you is your dear one, mm. is your relative, is your friend, but you give the correct witness. You um, stand for the truth. You stand for the rights of the the Absolutely. people, yeah. and uh, and that is that is that is what the um, the is the demand God Almighty makes that 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 is what we should be doing. It should be justice, because justice is what is going to bring peace to to the society. So if you want the inner peace, then you have to bring in justice. And uh, if there is justice in the society, of course, um, you know, the more you can do for others, that is what brings you not only peace, but also it brings you player in your heart. Mm, that's true. You know, that is one thing is that if you do something for somebody, uh, it is definitely going to bring bring player to your heart and, mm. and, and the peace of your mind, which, which lots of... Uh, um, physical resources, lots of uh, monetary things may, may not be able to do that. But if you have done something for somebody, that definitely is going to bring uh, peace to, you know, to, 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 to the people. Absolutely. And you know, this actually gives you a sense of, uh, you know, a sense of life as well. Some people, you know, a lot of people ask, uh, you, know, what's, you know, what's the purpose of life? and all of these things as well. But once you have sort of attained uh, that inner peace by serving other people, by serving mankind, of course, you know, we mentioned this before with our with our previous guests that fulfilling the rights of God, but also at the same time fulfilling the rights of mankind. And once you do that, then this source, this, then this sense of uh, awareness of, you know, of your own life becomes quite clear, the purpose of life. And, uh, you know, one of the ways or the ways to actually attain a better lifestyle uh, as well, um, attaining peace and, of course, giving justice. Let's um, let's listen to uh, an audio clip of his, uh, of His Holiness, where he speaks a little bit more uh, about this as well. If we glance at uh, just a few of today's uh, pressing issues, it is clear that the world is heading in an ominous direction. During the past year, the United States claimed with a degree of confidence that it was close to securing an historic peace deal with North Korea. But in recent days, it has become clear that nothing of substance has been achieved. Conflict in the Middle East continues to rage, uh, to rage over almost a decade, Syria has been ravaged by bloodshed and torn asunder. It is said that the civil war is now edging towards an end, but what has the past decade achieved except the death of hundreds of thousands of innocent people and the displacement of millions of others? Nothing positive has emerged, and the future remains uncertain and precarious as tensions rise between nations who have their own Western interests tied into the future of Syria. On one side, Russia and Turkey are aligning, whilst on the other side, the United States and Saudi Arabia are joining together and are ratcheting up pressure on Iran and seeking further sanctions against them. 
political experts are openly expressing that the objective of these nations is to dominate the Middle East. Another flashpoint and source of conflict are the worsening relations between Turkey and the Kurdish groups who seek autonomy. Thus, the world is stuck in a vicious cycle of conflict and counter-conflict as, as uh, rivalries ferment and haters become ever more deeply entrenched. No one knows where such issues will finally lead us or how horrific the consequences will prove to be. What I have mentioned is just the tip of the iceberg. There are many other issues of concern that threaten the peace and well-being of the world. For example, it is said that the terrorist group Daesh is on the verge of collapse and that their so-called Khilafat is finished. Yet, experts also warn that though Daesh has lost its territory, its hateful ideology persists and its members who have survived are now scattering and could eventually regroup and perpetrate attacks in Europe or elsewhere. Furthermore, nationalism has reared its ugly head again and far-right parties are gaining popularity across the Western world. They may not have secured outright political majorities, but unless justice at all levels of society prevails, they will continue to gain support. One of the core reasons underpinning their popularity has been widespread immigration, which has caused resentment and the belief that existing indigenous citizens are being shortchanged in order to found and uh, to, to fund and support immigrants. I have spoken on this issue at length in the past and so I do not need to go over old ground. Suffice to say that if genuine efforts are made to achieve, uh, to um, uh, cultivate peace and to help all countries achieve their potential, the des uh, desperation of people to flee their homes would automatically subside. I mean, that was His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, uh, telling us more, uh, telling us a little bit about, you know, the, the, the situation of what the world is looking like at the moment, the current climate of uh, what the world is um, going through, and and the solution to that. And the solution is, of course, you know, maintaining justice so that peace can prevail as well. Why why is justice and truth so important? His Holiness, the, the, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on his soul, wrote in, in his book, Absolute Justice, Kindness and Kinship. He writes that if someone investigates with an open mind the root cause of all evils, 
whether social, political, economic, or moral, he will also he will always find it to be injustice. And the word, the world cannot become an uh, abode of peace until man adheres to justice. When injustice, tyranny, and oppression take take hold, evil is born and destruction is let loose. If man is not just in his obligations to God, then it is quite quite unlikely that he will be just to his fellow human beings. It must be rendered that no one can uh, can trifle with the dictates of justice without exposing himself to the danger of falling victim to the punishment to the punishing consequences. Such punishment is not related to the wrath of God as if descended from heaven, but is a natural outcome of the violation of the laws of nature. None is above the dominion of natural laws. Now, if leaders treat their subjects, treat their you know treat the people, the the, the public with justice, subjects will you know or the public will turn and, and and will obey and respect their leaders as well. However, we see that in all parts of the world, this uh, dynamic is not sort of it's not being upheld. To how it uh, to how it should be, we often take for granted the rules, uh, you know that rules have a responsibility to us, the citizens. But indeed, citizens also have an unwavering responsibility towards the towards the ruler as well. In the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty mentions, uh, so, you know, in various different places how we need to observe justice. I mentioned one verse uh, right in the beginning which was uh, chapter 4, verse 136. Another verse of the Holy Quran is from is verse 9 of chapter 5. Allah the Almighty mentions over here that, O ye who believe, be steadfast in the cause of Allah, bearing witness in equity, and let not a people's enmity incite you to act otherwise than with justice. Be always just, that is nearer to righteousness, and fear Allah, surely Allah is well aware of what you do. Likewise, in chapter 4, verse uh, verse 60, Allah the Almighty mentions that, O ye who believe, obey Allah and obey His Messenger and those who are in authority among you. And if you differ in, in, in anything amongst yourselves, refer it to Allah and His Messenger if you, if you are believers in Allah and the last day. That is best and most commendable in the end. So the thing is that... Uh, <coughs> Uh, the teaching of Islam is that you know if we practice that that kind of teaching it is naturally it is going to take us to having justice in the society and if there is no injustice then that is obviously um, uh, going to take us to, to peace and uh, and uh, I also mentioned in the first part about the teachings <coughs> by the holy founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, who um, categorically he he, he um, uh, particularly his followers, he taught them not to hmm. revolt against the British government, and then hmm. the reason he said uh, he gave was that because they are they there is justice and they uh, the people um, the uh, the ruling government at that time is not hindering with your performance of your religious rights 
as well as it is giving you or providing you justice so you should not revolt against because that is against the teachings of Islam hmm. and he draws attention to the rights that this government had afforded the Indian people which they did not necessarily have beforehand and hmm. therefore had condemned any sort of rebellion against this the the British government at that time and his example allowed peace to prevail and continued to do so as we see that the Ahmadiyya community always at, is at the forefront of um, uh, community action and cooperation with the government you know wherever and whatever go- government wherever the Ahmadi uh, Muslims are residing they are cooperative with the government and because that is what is the teachings of uh, of the of Islam is and the current head of the Ahmadi Muslim community his holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad uh, may Allah um, strengthen his hand he, he has stated that truthfulness is such a quality that has not only been promoted or endorsed by religion, in fact it is endorsed by every single person whether he follows a religion or not. Universally this great quality of truthfulness is endorsed to great extent. However, assessing this reveals that despite this expression of endorsing truthfulness, the due obligation of expressing the truth is not fulfilled. From the level of individual or personal to matters of international relations, whenever the opportunity arises for anyone, lying or falsehood is relied upon for the benefit of their vested interests and personal gains. So to the same degree and intensity to which the adoption of truthfulness is endorsed, this expression of truth is negated when the time arrives. So to attain personal desires in even trivial daily matters, lying or falsehood is relied upon. And that real truthfulness, which is called, called sadid in Arabic, is being negated. In business affairs, a large proportion of the world relies upon falsehood or lying. And in social matters, more than often, lying or falsehood is relied upon. So in national politics, truthfulness is completely annulled. We find that the foundation of international politics and also international relations is usually based on lying and falsehood. This is what we now normally observe to the extent that even in religion, which purely calls towards truth and, uh, and propagates truth, people for their vested interests, they have also combined falsehood and lying. And they have destroyed the truth or have tried to. They hide the truth in such a manner that no indication of truth is left at all. Some, they firmly believe that if you lie to a large enough degree, it will become something truthful and that the truth becomes falsehood and falsehood becomes the truth. Yeah. So this audacity, uh, this uh, brazenness, uh, yeah. uh, usurps truth at every level and this is because there is no longer belief in God. If there was belief in God, then at every level falsehood would not be relied upon as it is in the society or at this time as is often the case. So again, uh, you know, this this brings us that if we turn towards God Almighty, who, we, as we discussed earlier in the first part of our show, that God is the source of peace. Mm. Uh, he's a salam. And we turn towards, if we turn to, to him, then the justice will automatically come because mm. you, have a, you have a fear of displeasing God for doing such act which is uh, which is against justice so when uh, you 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 go to that extent then 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 you see that the, these atrocities which have been committed in the past and you see one example is this nuremberg 
trials uh, and the Holocaust. Yeah. So um, that is in the history we see that one of the key turning points in international law regarding human rights was the process of this Nuremberg trials, which were a series of military tribunals which were held after World War II mm. by the Allied forces under international law and the laws of war. So the trials saw the prosecution of prominent members of the political, military, judicial, and economic leadership of Nazi Germany, who planned, carried out, or otherwise participated in the Holocaust um, and other war crimes. The, the trials were held in, in this, uh, this uh, uh, place called Nuremberg in Germany, and their mm. decisions, they marked a turning point between classical and contemporary international law. And, you know, the, the, the Second World War, you know, which you just spoke about as well, saw some of the most horrific human rights abuses at one of the largest scales in, in, recent, human, uh, in recent human history. Not only were 11 million people, including 6 million Jews, killed, but many more were starved, they were tortured, they were treated very badly. Some were made to perform forced labour and humiliated on, on a grand scale. And those humans target, you know, targeted for destruction under Nazi policies were largely living in private and state-operated institutes identified as life unworthy of life, including prisoners, um, you know, people with uh, you know, congenital, cognitive and physical disabilities, including people who were feeble-minded, epileptic, uh, schizophrenic, um, you know, depressive as well, um, muscular defaults, also people who were deaf, people who were blind, people who were idle, insane and the weak. I mean, a lot of, you know, people who were suffering, they were, they weren't, you know, people with di you know disabilities, they weren't being treated as well. The aim of these trials was not only to ensure that the perpetrators of the crimes were punished, but also they served as a sense of justice uh, for for those victims who had actually you know, suffered at their hands under their rule as well. It was sort of essential, it was vital that the truth be made clear to the world so that a, a precedent would be set to ensure this would never happen again. Unfortunately, though, it seems that humanity did not learn from its mistakes and has indeed continued to commit horrendous violations of human rights as well. I mean, we see, you know, what Nazi, what Nazi Germany actually did as well. But then we now we see people in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world. Um, you know, they, you know, there's there's genocide happening in other in other places. There's racism which is happening. There's there's so much, uh, you know, prejudice, discrimination which is happening as well. And all of this, when there's no justice, when there's no, you know, equal, you know, accessibility. When there's no equal opportunities, when people are being deprived just because they live, you know, they live in a poor sort of a poor neighborhood, you know, they are being deprived of basic basic necessities. Could be education, could be could could be health benefits. Uh, I mean, you know, the health facilities which they are being deprived of as well, just because of these few things. People are not being allowed to sit on this part of the. Uh, this part of the bus, this part of the train, just because they are a different color, and all of these injustices are leading towards, um, you know, this, you know, you know, destruction and war, and you know, we we spoke about the attribute of God Almighty, as-salam, 
which is the source of peace. And uh, that is, you know, by establishing that, having that living relationship, changing our mindsets, what our previous guest also speak, spoke about as well, Dr. Rodney, that this is one way in which we can actually derive benefit from and uh, benefit ourselves as well. Uh, and of course, the society as well. We'll speak a little bit more about this right now. Uh, there's a there's a brief audio audio clip which uh, which is speaking about um, uh, this attribute of God, which is as salam. Let's listen to that uh, uh, right now. <laughs> He is Allah, and there is no God beside Him, the Sovereign, the Holy One, the Source of Peace, the Bestower of Security, the Protector, the Almighty. The Subduer, the Exalted. Holy is Allah. Far above anything they associate with Him as His partners. In this verse of the Holy Quran, along with some other beautiful names of Allah, His name as Salam is also mentioned. Elaborating, Allah's name as Salam the promised Messiah and the philosophy of the teaching of Islam says He is the source of peace. That is to say, He is the God who was fully safeguarded against all imperfections, afflictions, and hardships. Not only that, He provides peace and security for all. Therefore, it is extremely important for us to have a clear understanding of this beautiful name, As-Salam. The name designates Allah's special attribute of being the source of peace. Once we have proper insight of this special attribute of Allah, it would be easy for us to make a stronger connection with Him to mold our lives accordingly and ultimately to feel secure and protected being at peace with Allah with His creatures and with our own selves. We know that maintaining peace has always been a major concern and great challenge for mankind throughout history. But perhaps Sustaining peace has never been as crucial in the past as it is at the present time. Our personal peace, peace of the heart, is fully disrupted through constant fear, distress, and anxiety in our daily lives. Without any doubt, this tremendous loss of peace in every shape and form is due to one major factor. It is that mankind is disconnected with Allah as a salam 
the real source and the reservoir of peace. There is no peace because the personal connection with God, who is the fountainhead of peace, is broken. There is no peace because the commandments of God, as-salam, are being ignored. Allah the Exalted has given the name Islam to the way of life that He commands us to adopt. Surely, the true religion with Allah is Islam. The very name Islam means peace and security, attained by surrendering one's rebellious ego to the will of God. To be a Muslim, one cannot imagine any other way but to completely yield to the will of God and to give up all self-centered desires by resisting all misleading temptations. That was a very you know, a brief uh, audio clip about uh, talking about uh, or giving a little bit more information about uh, the attribute of God Almighty being As-Salam, the source of peace. Um, a question naturally arises is that um, if justice is so important in Islam, we spoke, we, we spoke a little bit about this before as well with one of our previous guests, that if justice is so important in Islam, why are there so many injustices in, in Muslim countries? Um, Islam gives people free choice to adopt any system of rule that, that suits them. And the Holy Quran describes two principles of governments present in, in successful democracies as well, and leaves the rest to the people to decide. First, adl, or absolute justice, and second, mushawara, or consultation. And Islam, uh, is, you know, Islam is not a rigid religion, it's, it's a very flexible religion and allows for democracy, monarchy, tribalism, and other forms of government as long as they meet the requirements of absolute justice and consultation as well. I mean, it's not just about it's not just about um, you know democracy and you know this ruling like that, but it's about what the people want as well. If the people have a, a fair share in you know on on in the policies of of the government, or if they if they can actually change the mindset, which is you know which will benefit the actual citizens, the people. Then of course, you know, Islam actually allows that to happen as well. Islam doesn't, you know, doesn't allow sort of, uh, you know, straight up uh, dictatorships or even nowadays democracy. We, you know, we claim that you know the Western countries are democratic. They, you know, it is a democracy which is practiced on paper. But then, if we actually see what uh, how those rulers are li- living, how those leaders are actually living. It's more like a dictatorship. They can just do what they want, and it's more of a "do as I do as I say, don't do as I do" sort of um, sort of mindset that they that they do, that they're portraying. So, if any Islam professing nation is is carrying out injustices, it is clear that they are not following the true teachings of uh, of uh, of Islam. They're not following the true teachings of the Holy Quran, and therefore cannot be considered to be representatives of the Islamic teachings. I mean, if someone calls themselves a Muslim, but then their actions are going completely opposite to what a Muslim should be doing, then fine, he is calling himself a Muslim, fine, but his actions are proving uh, himself uh, otherwise. 
So, deeds are also judged by motives. But at the same time, if you're saying something and you're doing completely the opposite thing, that's, you know, it's very contradictory as well. So, your your sayings, your words should be the same as your actions uh, as well. Allah the Almighty mentions, you know, even in the Holy Quran that do not say something, you know, don't don't say something that which you don't do yourselves. You can't, you know, tell someone to stop doing something which you're, which you, you know, which you practice as well. Um, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, who was the fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has written in his book, and this book we are, we are you know, we're referencing uh, this uh, so much uh, in today's show, which is absolute justice, ki- kindness, and kinship. He has written that if someone investigates with an open mind the root cause of all evils, and we spoke about this before uh, about this before as well. He's just um, saying it again, whether social, political, economic, or moral. He will always find it to be injustice, and injustice is one of the things which, which leads to to you know is the root cause of all evil, and the world cannot become an abode of peace until man adheres to justice. When justice, tyranny, and oppression take hold, evil is born and destruction is let loose. So you know, absolute justice is something which should not be taken lightly, and when you know when we talk about justice to to our leaders. That is very, very much important as well, that we practice absolute justice. In chapter 42, verses 31 and 32 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has uh, mentioned uh, this thing as well. Um, His Holiness, the the, uh, the the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah have mercy on him, also explains that in other words, man bring misfortunes upon himself. But it is God who often forgives his sins and saves him from his self-inflicted ruin. A scan of the history of the wars should, esta- should establish that he underli- the underlining cause of every disruption of peace is, without fail, the violation of the principles of justice. And whatever, you know, to, you know, to conclude, it is vital that we take words of the Holy Quran into consideration as well. And whatever misfortune befalls you is due to is due to what your own hands have wrought. And he forgives many of many of your sins, and you cannot frustrate God's plans in the earth, nor have you any friend or helper besides God. And this you know, the reference of this was as I just mentioned, chapter forty two, verses thirty one and thirty two. Indeed, if we if we look at the aftermath in Germany, after the violations of uh, you know of the human rights, uh, you know in their in their histories, we can see that they did not easily recover, and it took them, it took them many years to actually recover from all of these, um, uh, you know, from all of this as well, from the tyranny that uh, was happening over there, even decades, and to you know just to restore stability and harmony to society as well. Islam has given the solution. Islam has uh, given the solution 1400 years ago. It is our duty to look at it from an unbiased eye, to look at it and accept that this is the actual principles of, you know, if we follow these principles, we will be able to sort of, uh, you know, establish a world of which is full of peace and, of course, justice uh, will prevail as well as something which Islam uh, is the advocate for, for this one uh, as well. 
and uh, you know as you know both of the topics that we spoke about today were sort of uh, in, you know intertwined and uh, linked as well with each other and it was a uh, it, it was nice to speak to all of our guests today. Thank you so much, uh, you know, for 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 uh, for taking time out and uh, and speaking to us. And of course, to all of our listeners as well. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. Uh, our producers, we uh, I think it's Barida Gafar yes. and Ifat Mirza. So thank she, you. She, they were thank the ones who produced. Absolutely, and thank you to them <coughs> as well. Until next time, assalamu alaikum. <coughs>